Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. I'm uh, back home in uh, Durham, not back home in Omaha, but back home in Durham. And Aaron is on the road in the Midwest. And Aaron, uh, tell people a little bit about where you've gone and where you are, uh, uh, what the rest of your itinerary is this weekend and the, and the, the rest of this week. Well, I started off, I flew to Nashville on Friday and saw, uh, you know, saw Vanderbilt in Florida, and, and it wasn't all that uh, I was expecting when I booked this trip. I mean, uh, you know, obviously Jonathan Crawford pitched on Saturday, not Friday, as I anticipated originally. Uh, um, you know, Florida actually pitched well. They outpitched Vanderbilt with, with Jay Carmichael and, um, you know, pretty good work by the bullpen, but um, weren't, weren't huge kind of Florida arms that we're used to seeing, but uh, Zomek wasn't his, his best, certainly, on Friday. I mean, uh, I saw him on the wrong day, apparently. Uh, um, but, but uh, you know, everybody has days like that. And um, Vanderbilt came back and won the series. And, and I guess it was a very intense atmosphere in there on, on Sunday in that game against Florida. Um, but uh, kudos to, to, to the Doors for responding to that, that little, little taste of adversity. Uh, and then on Saturday, originally I was going to go to Louisville to see uh, – Jeff Thompson and, and the Cardinal take on Rutgers, but uh, weather caused that those two teams play a doubleheader, and, and same with Kentucky, Mississippi State. So I had to make a decision. Went wound up going to Lexington for that doubleheader. Saw a couple of good left-handers for the uh, the Wildcats and, and Jared Grundy and Corey Littrell. Um, you know, as, as Kentucky, uh, won, it was a good day of baseball. Kentucky swept that doubleheader. A um, couple of one-run games. And, uh, you know, I mean, I saw a lot of talent. Hunter Renfro put on a show. John, I wish you were there. I wish uh, I was there, too, just for that. He, he, he crushed the ball to left field in the first game, and then he went oppo in the second game uh, over that deck they have out there in right center. Um, you know, that guy is, is something special. He's really on a tear right now. Um, but, uh, you know, Kentucky is, is a good ball club. Both those teams are good ball clubs. And, and uh, you know, I, I know Mississippi State – Lost three straight series. We did keep them in our rankings this week at number 25, but that's partly because I mean it's partly an acknowledgement of, of their ability, and I still believe in their ability. Um, and and look, I mean, I know you got to win the games in baseball. That's the bottom line. You got to win the series, but I think it's worth acknowledging that this could easily have, they could easily be four and two right now in the SEC. I mean, um, you know, you, you're. You're talking about an extra inning loss to LSU, a game that they let get away on that opener on Friday, and then a couple of one-run games against Kentucky that, again, could have gone either way. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the one thing I will say, I will acknowledge one concern about Mississippi State, John. The thing that separates Vanderbilt for me and, and LSU and even Kentucky, even Arkansas in that league, is they all have really good front-line starting pitching, elite guys, you know, yep. or, or at least above-average college guys. Um, Ole Miss doesn't really. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, Lindgren and, and, and Graveman are, are pretty good, but they're not Gosman and Eads or Zomek and Beattie, you know, I mean, or Stanek and, and Aston or whoever Arkansas wants to throw in there. Now that Stanek is back, it seems like. Um, so, you know, you and they need a Sunday guy right now. I mean, Evan Mitchell's not the answer. He, yeah, first he things first. Before first they need a Friday game. guy, they need to just have three starters. Yeah. Is there right. and, and is there a reason, Aaron? I mean, I'm maybe I'm confused. I know that they like to have that flexibility, but what about uh, my, yeah, my other cheese ball on that team, Pollo Reina? I, I mentioned that possibility on Twitter the other day because every time I've seen Pollo Reina. Um, over the last couple of years, I mean, the guy is, is he, he's, he's good, you know, he battles and um, he's got 
pretty good stuff from the left side, and it, you know, it's, it's pretty firm. He's got a nice little slider in the low 80s, and he'll touch 90 with a fastball. But the thing I think about him is that I don't know that he sustains. He's not a big guy. I don't know that he sustains his stuff deep into games. I think he can get three or four good innings out of him, maybe five. That would be, um, that would be that, better than what they're getting now. Yeah, no, you're right. But, I mean, you know, they, 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 they love Mitchell because he is a power arm. I mean, it's, you know, 91-92 with a really, really, you know, power breaking ball, sharp downer pitch, but he doesn't really command it, uh, it seems like. And, and you know, they're going to make a move on Sunday. They're going to take him out of there. I suspect you'll see either Will Cox or, um, you know, maybe Poyarena, um, you know, maybe Brandon Woodruff. I mean, my money's on Cox being the new Sunday guy, but they did definitely need to make a move. I mean, you know, I understand why people are, are freaking out down in Starkville right now. I know they are. <laughs> they've lost. They've lost three straight series. I mean, that's. They have. They have. And and that series loss to Central Arkansas doesn't look quite as good right now after after the Bears just got swept by Old Roberts, uh, which had been pretty. You know, they, they we're not off to a good start. If you look at their record, it's not real. They're eight and fifteen. So. They were five and yeah. fifteen. Went in there and swept the series on the road. Yeah. So, um, you know, I understand why people are, are worried about Mississippi State. I still believe in them long term. I mean, I you know maybe that just sounds stubborn, but even this weekend, I mean, you can see why you know they're going to be good. I mean, why they are good. They just they haven't won a couple games that they need to win. So it's getting easier this coming weekend at Arkansas. That's for sure. It's the uh, Baseball America Mississippi State podcast. I'm John yeah. Aaron. <laughs> Who knew we were going to turn this into the Mississippi State podcast? But Aaron, let's stick in the Southern Southeastern Conference because this is you know a league where people really care and the teams are really good. Um, South Carolina, the other team, uh, we're gonna, I'm focusing on the negative, I guess. You mentioned Arkansas. Um, I think a team like Arkansas picked things back up a little bit last week, um, you know, started to get a little bit healthier, um, played well against Mississippi in a couple of those games, won one of them, but still lost a series. Um, there's no way to see them, to see it coming. They were going to go sweep South Carolina. Did you? See, I, I guess you know coming into the year we did have Arkansas ahead of South Carolina. Obviously these teams played last year in Omaha and South Carolina beat them what two out of three, right? Played three times I believe I last believe year in Omaha. So I believe so. So uh, Ryan Stanick had South Carolina's number last year in Omaha. Then he, he beats them again this weekend. Did you have any inkling though that Arkansas could go in there and win this series? Not to mention sweep it. Yeah, so they could win it. I mean, they're a good team. You know, again, like Mississippi State, just just because their their record, the results weren't quite there, uh, they weren't far off. I mean, they, they just need, they needed to get Stanek going. That was the, probably the biggest thing, and he did finally. He was really good on Saturday. He threw a three hitter, um, and you know, pushing up to his ability. And the reports that I've got say his stuff hadn't been bad. It's just a matter of, you know, command wasn't fine. You know, earlier this season, and uh, he commanded. This weekend, and he, uh, you know, he dominated, and that that was key for them. Uh, they moved Baird Aston back into a starting role. That gives them some stability in the rotation. Um, you know, since I, I was I was surprised they had such a short leash with Trey Killian in the rotation. He'd been so good. He had one bad start, and then he's out. Um, so I don't know surprising. what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do going forward. Maybe they put Killian. Maybe they move Stanek back to Friday, uh, Fant Saturday, and go back to Killian on Sunday, which had been working for them. Um, but, you know, and then you have Aston in the bullpen. I don't know. They've got a lot of options with that staff. They're still trying to figure everything out from a roles perspective. But um, the other thing is that they're getting their bats going. You know, they, they went in there and, and uh, continued to – I think they got five straight games now with double-digit hits. Um, you know, Ficacello's back, which makes a big difference. I mean, Dave Van Horn said it 
last week and in, in our weekend preview, he said that not having Ficcicello in there messes everything up with our lineup. You know, I mean, it's a, he's he's the key piece in the middle. Right. Uh, you know, and and that that helps having him back. And so, um, you know, South Carolina again doesn't have to me they don't have that elite front line starting pitching like like Vanderbilt and LSU and can you know Kentucky and Arkansas they they have you know Nolan Belcher's been fantastic this year but he's a fifth year senior left-hander uh you know I mean he's he's not he, he's not in the same classes as other guys from a talent standpoint they had they kinda, uh, I guess early in the year they had it with Montgomery I think you and I both think Jordan Montgomery yeah. Is that guy, and I think Chad Holbrook thought Jordan Montgomery was that guy, and then he got hurt. I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's—I know he's, he's not a frontline stuff guy, but this guy, you know, I don't—I don't think it's fair to put on anybody. Hey, you're going to be the next Michael Roth, but right. he sure was following the Michael Roth game plan pretty well. He's not that different from, you know, like a Ken Emanuel even. I mean, his velocity is a little bit more than Roth. Good like, point. Like Emmanuel. Um, he's got that really good change up. I mean, he can be that kind of guy. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but, uh, you know, and they need Kobe Holmes to be better. Um, you know, he's, he's a senior guy that they were counting on and hasn't had a good year so far. So, I mean, you know, Evan Beal had been very good. Um, got rocked this weekend. I mean, they still got a lot of depth on that staff. Right, you know, like Mississippi State. I'm gonna keep comparing everybody to Mississippi State on the Mississippi State podcast here. That's right. But, um, <laughs> well, the other thing that know, surprises but, me, Aaron, about South Carolina, not that they didn't score against Arkansas, but it's that they've they've been. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like they've been a little streaky offensively, and it's a very um, home run dependent lineup, and they are always that way. But see, I thought the biggest question for them was going to be replacing Christian Walker. I just think having a consistent three-hole guy like that. So South Carolina tumbled in our rankings quite a bit from 5 to 17. And yeah. I'll I'll say why I did it. One of them was pole mechanics. Two was getting swept at home. Three, Aaron, they really don't have a great schedule to fall back on when they lose a series. Because, I mean, Liberty, Albany, yeah, they won two out of three against Clemson. Um, Clemson's not ranked. Ball State, Ryder. And then at Mizzou, I mean, it's really mm-hmm. – they haven't played a great schedule. And, uh, you know, getting swept at home, you combine it with all those things, that's how you wind up going from 5 to 17. Because you feel like they, – They had to – Go ahead. They had to, be, they had to be behind Arkansas. Yeah, that's the bottom line. You get swept at home against, you know, a team with elite talent. Um, that team with elite talent has proven that, it's, that it needs to be ahead of you. You know, and, and, and Arkansas was lower in the rankings because they'd had a couple of bad weekends. And so – we had to move them up and move South Carolina down, and they met somewhere in the middle, and that's just that's just how these things go. I know it seems harsh to hit South Carolina's 12 spots, but that's how it works. That's the only way to do it. And, Aaron, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong also. Some of the guys who they really thought would kind of step forward offensively this year, I mean, I think you, on the pitching side, to me, it seems like you know, the guys that you would have thought coming into the year, <clears throat> I mean, a, a year ago at this time, if you're projecting South Carolina's rotation a year out, you would have thought Montgomery – Maybe Holmes, although maybe he would have gone to the draft. Yeah. And Forrest Kumis. Kumis got hurt this time, about this time last year. Montgomery's hurt now. Holmes has just taken a giant step backwards. Uh, none of those guys are so, – so they're really kind of having to go with plan B throughout the weekend rotation. For, for, so for starters, you know, this is not the pitching staff they thought they would have. So I think it's kind of commendable in a way that they're, they've pitched as well as they have to this point, but the, the lineup has performed below expectations. I, yeah. I, I think that's fair to say, is it not? I think so, yeah. They, they need more 
Um, you know, they, they need they really we're counting on Max Schrock, and he's hit a little bit of a rough patch. Um, you know, Grayson Griner's is is you know has not been as good maybe as we thought he would be this season. Um, he's struggled. You know, he's he's a key guy for them for sure. It gives them a presence in the middle if he's going right. Um, you know, it's been Danzler and Pancake, and you know, and those are really the two guys that are carrying him offensively. Yeah, I mean, you look to me just you look up and down like the. It seems like every year the last couple of years, South Carolina, when they got to Omaha, those three straight years, two titles and a, and a runner-up, there was always some guy, whether it was like a Dante Rosenberg or an Eric Payne or a Kyle Martin, some of those kind of role-player guys who always came through with big hits. Uh, they haven't quite gotten that yet. A guy like T.J. Costin, and to me, Costin in, in English, you kind of thought those guys would be everyday guys in the outfield. I know they've been banged up a little bit. So it'd be right. everyday, everyday guys in the outfield who would bring speed, athleticism, some dynamism to the lineup, and that has not consistently been the case to this point. Is that fair as well? English is back now from you know he he like he'd been out with a, with an injury and and um, maybe he can give him a boost. Uh, they, they're certainly counting on him. I mean he you're right he needs to be he needs he especially needs to be a catalyst for them. Yeah, it just feels like he has not been able to fill that role yet. It's uh, the Baseball America podcast, uh, non-Mississippi State, with John and Aaron. Um, Aaron, we had a couple of tweets. Uh, we're going to switch to the Big 12 conference maybe a little bit here. Aaron, uh, Oklahoma, uh, in our preseason rankings in the Big 12 was TCU and then Oklahoma. TCU's off to about as bad a start as a preseason ranked team is in the country. Is there a team that was ranked in the preseason that's off to a worse start than TCU? They're nine and fourteen. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> that's 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 ugly. Swept this weekend by Oklahoma. Oklahoma, um, you know, pretty doggone good. But the entire Big Twelve, Aaron. Uh, our question that we had is uh, uh, from uh, Scott Mofield, who's a longtime. Yeah, B.A., I've, I've gotten a lot of tweets from Scott over the years. Question he hated to ask, but is it time for Baylor to start looking at coaching situation, B.U. near irrelevancy? I tweeted back at him, dude, they won the Big 12 last year, pretty far from irrelevant. And But he, he said, I'm not selling out. I, I concede the point. This four-year run has been a drop-off from previous years. I think that's probably a little bit fair, that that. Baylor on the whole is a little bit down, but I guess I would say the Big 12 on the whole is not a little bit down, but a lot down, Aaron. What's going on in the Big 12 where Oklahoma feels like they are just head and shoulders above everybody else? That's it. That's it. You're you're exactly right. Oklahoma is, I mean, we say that, and Oklahoma won two of those games this weekend against TCU in extra innings, and they were all close games. It's a hard-fought series. Um, I don't think I don't think TCU is that bad. They just can't hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. I mean, they can pitch, you know, and they're going to be competitive because they're pitching, but they're obviously not who we thought they were. Those sophomores haven't gotten it going. Crone, Odell, and Suter need, need to do it. And, and they know, have not those been guys, croned. They've not been croned. Uh, Oklahoma has elite starting pitching. Man, oh, man. Oh, Gray and Overton. That's about that's as good a one-two punch I think as there is out there. I mean, feels, you know, I'll like take that. Feels like that's the best one-two punch. I guess not from a stuff perspective, but from a results perspective, I feel like you have to put Ken Emanuel and Benton Moss in that category. 
Sure, and you know, and Nolan Eads. Now that Eads has really kind of it seems like he's taking that step forward. He's been more consistent this year. Um, you know, I have to put those guys in that category as well. But um, you know, I, I think I think uh, Bobby Wall and Mike Myers as well. Um, I don't feel know, like Myers Wall and Myers, from a result standpoint, deserve to be in. I don't know. I mean, Wall, uh, Myers hasn't gotten a lot of wins lately. I mean, he's been taking some no decisions, pitching into the sixth or seventh, and not winning. But you know, look at Bobby Wall's numbers. I mean, he's been ridiculous good, um, and you know, and, and Myers has a track record last year, and both those guys have stuff. And I, I would, for me, I would put those guys in that, that category also. But but anyway, you know, you know better po- than I do. The, the point is, um, you know, Gray and Overton is, is really good, and, and um, you know, they got really good work for their bullpen this weekend. You know, I mean, this staff is coming together. They got a little bit of depth now. Pretty complete, um, you know, pretty complete pitching staff, and it feels like offensively, they're solid. They're not inept. <laughs> And there's a, right. there's a decent amount of ineptitude in the Big 12. I mean, I think in the preseason, you know, we didn't rank them, but then we both thought Texas was going to be, you know, a regional team. Yes. Do you think Texas is a regional team still? Hmm. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. This, is, I this think team's so. gone off to a pretty average start. They did go on the road and win two of three at Minnesota. Got to give them credit. They did go on the road and win a series. But uh, you know, they lost it midweek at Houston. We will talk about the Cougars uh, shortly. But it feels like Texas at Oklahoma and, Oklahoma, and then the home against at Oklahoma State next weekend, home against Oklahoma. That feels like it's going to be a uh, uh, and then I guess at Kansas, which is off to a two and one start. So that could yeah. be kind of a defining back to back series though. The, the next two because Oklahoma State feels like it has a chance to be a regional team if it. And they're twenty-one and yeah. four, or whatever they are. I mean, yeah. they haven't really played anybody, but uh, nineteen and four feels like a pretty good, uh, you know, test for both those teams. Where Oklahoma State, I guess, they had the series win against New Mexico. Otherwise, really hasn't played a, a, much of a schedule. I mean, um, LMU on paper, you know, that team. Hey, we thought that was going to be a regional team. So I guess you got to give Oklahoma State credit for winning that series too, even though LMU hasn't been great. Right. Um, but I guess if you had to pick the second best team in the Big 12 to bring this back to the whole Big 12. Boy. Who do you think it is right now? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it, is it Texas Tech? I mean, Baylor? No. <laughs> Texas Tech just lost the series to West Virginia. Um, Kudos to Randy uh, Mazey then. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, those guys are fighting. I mean, they, they you know, they're, they're obviously <laughs> facing an uphill battle in this conference, but right now they got a better league record than Texas and TCU. So, how about that? And I mean, I, I know they were facing uh, Aaron Blair, who's a very good prospect, you know, probable yeah. back first round, early second round type of guy. But he didn't know hit them for six innings and strike out 11. Yeah. And Aaron Blair's not overpowering. He's got good, solid, firm fastball, but he's not an overpowering guy. So, so yeah, not a good right. sign. Not a good sign for West Virginia, but I had to uh, answer Scott Mofield's tweet, um, which I felt was uh, – you agree with my answer, Aaron, on that one? I do. I mean, I, you know, come on. Not only did Baylor win the Big 12 last year, they, they did it in record-setting fashion. I mean, that, remember, the, what was it, 18-0 and 0 they started in the conference? Something like that. It was something some nonsense. <laughs> it was nonsense. It was crazy. And, and you know, and, and they were one, you know, ninth-inning meltdown away from going to Omaha. I mean, they had that thing. They were there, you know. I mean, They were there. Uh, there's no reason, you know. Baylor's bad this year. I don't like their team. Um, they had a huge drop-off from last year. They lost a ton. So what? You know, I mean, you're not going to panic after one bad season. I'm sorry. I'm of the age, Aaron, where anytime anyone says drop-off, 
I always think of former Soviet uh, Communist Party chair Yuri Andropov. So I'll just state You're that. You're such a me. nerd. I am an incredible <laughs> nerd. But I, anytime someone says drop off, I think of Yuri and drop off. So. Hey, before we move off away from the Big 12 uh, to get us back on topic here Please for a second, um, what about Matt Oberstee, Oklahoma? This guy is on fire. It's a 29 game hitting streak now, longest in school history. Uh, his numbers are through the roof. I mean, he, he's he is. That's the difference. If you look at Oklahoma, they needed him and Max White to carry the way offensively. You know, I mean, those are the guys they were counting on. And hey, Oberstee got to a good start last year, and then he you know wasn't kind of dropped off uh, in in the second half of the of, of the season. But I mean, he's just a real presence for them in the middle. You know, he's got power. He can hit. Uh, he's, he's matured in his second year after transferring in from, from junior college, and um, he's made a big, big, big difference. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know where he goes in the midseason player of the year discussion. It feels like that's – if we had a midseason yeah. college player of the year, we're not midseason yet, but I mean, like Chris Bryant is the first name that comes to mind. Sure. And, I mean, you have a lot of corner bat possibilities with Bryant and Colin Moran having Peterson. a solid year, and then uh, D.J. Peterson – but, uh, yeah, 471, kind of hard to argue with that. And like you said, I mean, the other thing I guess that stands out, Aaron, is he's just so far and above his teammates right now. feels like he has – I mean, like you said, they, they're expecting Max White. I mean, Max White was a freshman, what, second baseman when they went to Omaha? Was he a center he's played, fielder? He's played all over. He's right. caught. He's played first. He's played second. He's played, played center field. I mean, he's just a – he's just a, you know, a hard-nosed – athletic guy that can play all over the place and um you know and he really he, he kind of showed how much of a catalyst he can be in, in one of those innings this weekend i wrote about it in tractor where he had an rbi single stole second stole third and then scored you know and that was their the key to their whole rally in that particular game but just it feels like um you know that there's more help to come so that oklahoma win uh, how do you pronounce his last name obersty Oberstee, right. So when Matt Oberstee comes down to earth a little bit, because he's not going to hit 471 all year, but no one right. else on the team's even hitting 300. It feels like Jack Mayfield and Max White, some of those other guys, can give him a little bit more help. I guess who else do you expect to to give him a little bit more support and give Sonny Galloway's lineup a little more yeah. uh, well-roundedness? Besides, uh, once it, uh, Matt Oberstee does cool off a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, Anthony Hermelin is, is a guy that they like uh, with some offensive upside, and, and you know, he had a, a big hit or two for them this weekend. Um, you know, some of these young guys, Colby Carpenter as well, um, Hunter Haley. I mean, these guys have, have contributed. You know, they're 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 talented young players. They're going to be key pieces here. And um, you know, I, I kind of like Hector Lorenzana, the junior college guy that came in and he plays with energy. And he's a good player. And Craig Aiken as well. I mean, he's kind of. He's like the speed guy out there that uh, can, can be disruptive. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a great lineup, um, obviously, but uh, they got some nice pieces in here, and, and, and I think with their pitching staff, I think, uh, I think they'll be okay. I mean, I think they're going to win the Big 12 easily. That's how it looks. Uh, John and Aaron are on the Baseball America College podcast. So, Aaron, some other teams that we moved quite a bit around, we'll just touch on real quick. LSU moved up to number four in the rankings this week. They're 22 and two. You mentioned Eads and Nola. Uh, if you had to pick a guy for National Freshman of the Year right now, is it Alex Bregman or is it uh, Sky yeah. Bolt? Uh, I'd probably lean toward Bregman playing playing in the shortstop. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and doing a good job with it and hitting as well. I mean, man, that guy is—he's a beast. He's really, really good. I mean, my goodness, him and you know, 
they've gotten a lot from their newcomers between him and, and, and Mark Laird. He's really the surprising freshman for LSU. I mean, a athletic guy, you know, former football guy. Um, yeah, it sounds like the sky's he, the limit for Mark Laird if he, if he can, you know, get his reps in and, and uh, you know, hitting's the hardest yeah. thing to do, <laughs> but he has the other physical tools. It sounds like he has uh, in, in, in the goodly quantities. Indeed. I, uh, I like, I mean, I, you know, LSU's, LSU is, is really good. You know, they've answered all the questions that we had about them coming into the season. We had them nine in the preseason because we didn't know who was going to be the Sunday guy. We didn't know who was going to be the closer. Uh, we didn't know, you know, how some of these new guys would fit into the lineup. I mean, and there were some questions about LSU, and that's, you know, to, to, to answer all the LSU fans who have been ragging me mercilessly all season for being too low on the Tigers. That's why we did it, and they've answered it. I feel great about LSU now. They are an elite team. Um, you and know, I mean. And, again, they're doing this, put, Aaron, uh, you know, I just I don't think we expect Jacoby Jones and Tyson Ross, you know, Ty Ross to be pulling up the bottom of their offensive production numbers wise. I mean Jones right. has drawn some walks, but I don't think we expect those two guys to be drags on their offense all year, right? So they, yeah, and, their and, offense has the potential to get better, even if Laird and Bregman yeah. uh, come you know c- come down a little bit in terms of their production. They don't stay the top. Those two guys were, were preseason All-Americans. Right. I mean, right. you know, wait till they get it going. And, and the thing that I'm encouraged by with Jones is, like you hit on it, the fact that I think he still has more walks than strikeouts, doesn't he? he? Does. Looking at the numbers there. He does. I mean, the, the, the bugaboo with this guy to knock on him his whole career has been the swing and miss. And if he's got that figured out where he's, he's improved his approach, he's, the hits are going to come for him. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's only a matter of time. I think that's, I think that's very encouraging. I think so, too. Um, we're going to talk a little ACC uh, here as well, because it was one of the bigger series in the country with uh, Georgia Tech at Florida State. I did want to touch on number one North Carolina, Aaron, because I don't want to dwell on the Tar Heels, but they are 21-1. and one. Um, They got two games in against Boston College this weekend, supposed to travel to B.C. With the weather in B.C., North Carolina made arrangements to move that conference series to Chapel Hill, which is yeah. uh, not easily done, and I, I don't feel like that happens very commonly. Uh, they got in two of the games yesterday here. Being back in North Carolina was a disgusting day, about 40 degrees and rainy, so uh, understandable they did not get that game in. But it does feel like Kent Emanuel and Ben Moss, Aaron, um, pretty doggone good one-two punch. Yeah. And it also does. feels like Colin Moran starting to get going. North Carolina is hitting for a little bit more power this year, 18 home runs the team, yeah. two for their it opponents. Does. How much of that, uh, you know, BC is like three and seventeen. How much? Right. Do you take, and then, how much can we read into North Carolina's offensive production so far this year? Uh, I think you can read a decent amount. I mean, they've played an okay schedule. They, they went to Houston and uh, played the Minute Maid thing. And you know, I mean, uh, this is power is something that you know, uh, even if you're playing against less than elite pitching. Um, you know, last year North Carolina wasn't hitting a bunch of home runs in the pre-conference. Right. Um, you know, I wonder if they have how many home runs they hit all year last year compared to where they are now. That's I mean, a good question. I'll look that up. It, it's you know it's got to be comparable. I mean, I, they were not a power hitting team last year. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about North Carolina because they, they dominated a three and seventeen team as they were supposed to. Um, we've talked a lot about them this year. I mean, they're really complete. They're the best team right now. I mean, they're the top team in, in our rankings. I'm still not gonna I'm not gonna even say that they're the best team in the country um, because I, I just don't think there's much separation between the top four teams right now. I think, like um, you said, they're the yeah. best team in our rankings, and that's a, a very good way to put it. Uh, we knocked NC State out of our rankings uh, with a Wolfpack 
just feels like nothing has gone right for them. And we have a long-time uh, listener and tweeter. Uh, let me see if I make, make sure I get his name right. Robert Zakowski just asked if we can rate Carlos Rodon's control and command. I mean, this year it's got to be a 40. And that seems yeah. like that's the problem. He's, he, when he misses yep. his spots this year, uh, he threw a little bit harder last year. You detailed it in weekend preview. But, I mean, everyone's talking. I get a lot of emails about Carlos Rodon. I'm not worried about him for next year yet. I am worried about NC State season because this is a team where a lot of things are going wrong. Yeah, this was a bad week, 0-4. I know Virginia's good, but, um, the, you know, the, the, the NC State continues to get poor starting pitching, bottom line. That is the bottom I mean, line. You know, Ogburn and, and Stone don't get through four innings this week. I mean, how many? You know, I, I somewhere I've got I broke down all of NC State's starting pitching um, performances this year, and it's startling. How it was few. disgusting. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I only worried about the one inning ones in weekend preview, but there's been a bunch of others where they just didn't get through three or four. I mean, it's 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 really bad. Um, they got to figure that out, and, and you know. Right now, I, I don't I don't see any answers. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, Sogburn and Stone aren't special, even if they do get it going and they're you know okay and they're five inning guys. I mean, they're they're not special. They're, they're, this, this pitching staff to me, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling too good about it. Yeah, nor should you. I mean, uh, it w- was not Carlito at his best for sure this weekend as he walked six, but the rest of the bullpen. You know, Ryan Wilkins had been great all year. He wasn't very good this weekend, and then. You know, Ethan Ogburn's out in the fourth inning. Uh, and and the thing is with State, uh, Aaron, it's not like it's a bunch of young guys. Stone is really the only guy who wasn't, and I guess and Andrew Woke, they're kind of the only guys who really weren't in the mix for them last year. It's mostly familiar names. It's mostly guys who helped them, you know, win a regional last year. I thought it was a startling contrast this weekend between State's pitching and Virginia's pitching. And you look at Virginia's staff and, all these new names, you know, Brandon Waddell and uh, Spores back there in the bullpen, and you know, um, you know, Young who did a really good job out of out of the bullpen for him, and you know, I mean, then you got their veterans like Scott Silverstein. I mean, he's not, you know, he doesn't have special stuff either. I mean, he's a lot like Brad Stone. He's probably not as good as Brad Stone from a stuff standpoint, but he's out there, you know, getting through five innings and, and getting the win. Um, it, Virginia, <laughs> I mean. How much can, I don't know what else to say about about Virginia and, and the way that program, like Florida State, these are the, these are really the two teams I want to touch yep, on here. Yep. These are two teams that that are now in the top ten, six and nine here in our rankings. Uh, Virginia wasn't in the in the top twenty-five to start the year because you know they had a, they lost a lot of pitching. I mean we liked their lineup coming into the year. I mean those guys are exciting, all those sophomores especially, and some some nice veteran guys sprinkled in there, the Jared Kings and the Reed Dragnanis and. Um, you know, it's it's a good lineup, and we we knew it would be, but I didn't trust their pitching, and, and boy, I mean, you know, we we should learn never to doubt those guys on the pitching side because they always find answers, and it's kind of like, you know, it's like Florida, Florida State, State with hitters. Exactly. I mean, you know, you're it's, exactly it's right. like plug in new faces. Okay, Jose Brizuela, now you're a star. I mean, it's like your turn. Okay, yep. go get them. I mean, it's just it's it's insane, and 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 you know, and and Florida State also has done a really good. Job with its pitching, and, and it's you know you lose Mike Compton, who they they were really going to count on this year, um, and you know Scott Seitz was into that Saturday role. He's been really good. Their bullpen has been key for Florida State. That's yeah. something. I mean, you know, like Virginia, both those teams gotten really good work out of the bullpen, and um, 
I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I'll say it. I didn't think Florida State was going to win that series this weekend. I mean, I, I thought Georgia Tech was the better team, more talented team, had been playing better. I thought in all facets. And you know, I say that Florida State was 21 against the lighter schedule, but Georgia Tech had a better fielding percentage. Um, you know, their 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 pitching was more um, explosive, uh, and and certainly their lineup was more explosive coming into this weekend. And Florida State just finds ways to win all the time. I, I, you know, I know I marvel at this program's consistency all the time, and it probably gets old to people, but I just, you know, I, I mean, there's just so much. It's not easy to do what they do every year. I mean, look at Miami and Texas. You know, they're, they're, they're having down years right now. Florida State never has a down year, ever. They never have a down year, Aaron. And it is, uh, it is amazing what Mike Martin and his team does there. Every year in and year out, that's what a program – that's, that's a program with a capital P. And it, I don't think it should be lost on people that Florida State and Virginia are not the B.A. kind of program, especially Florida State. Granted, they have pro prospects. Hello, Buster Posey. But uh, they're, they're doing it this year without a ton of pro prospects. I mean, the best pro prospect on their team is probably Jamius Winston. And, I mean, this is a two-sport guy who pitches and hits and just seems like he finds ways to contribute. Um, yeah. I think he's done a little bit more on the mound this year than he has uh, right. at the plate. But, I mean, Mike Martin, uh, you know, in Virginia, scouts love the dog on uh, Virginia. That's the new cookie-cutter pitching staff program, not necessarily new, but now that Jamie Shoup is no longer at Florida State and Mike Bell is there, you know, scouts seem like they prefer that a little bit, and I, I think there's good reasons for that. You know, every Florida State pitcher doesn't sink it and slide it. But most of them still do, you know. Um, they don't drop everyone's arm slot, you know, like they used to. But Virginia does. Everyone will bend at the knees. Everyone will do – I mean, they do that National Pitcher Association stuff on the mound. And like you said, Aaron, it doesn't seem like it matters who it is. They're going to find someone who will compete and get out. And Florida State will find someone who will grind out that bat, will work walks, and they'll find someone else in that lineup who will get – big hits, and it just feels like Cole Pitts and Georgia Tech with a 6-2 lead on the road on a Sunday, I mean, it, it, we, we, that should be secure, but it was not. I mean, it just seemed like it was just that, – that was just the, the perfect Florida State kind of game uh, yep. and, the, and the perfect Florida State kind of opponent that they were going to uh, outgrind Georgia Tech, and they did. I mean, it, I, think they, yep. I think your point is exactly right, that these are two programs – that uh, in terms of their pro talent and just their overall talent level, uh, these are not teams where you're going to look back 10 years from now and say, man, those teams were loaded. But you are going to look back and see one of those two teams, if not both those teams in Omaha, winning a regional, hosting a regional, maybe hosting a super, because that's how good those coaching staffs are. And, and I think Virginia does have some talent here. I mean, that's, that's one thing. I mean, scouts could dog on those guys all they want um for, for for that stuff that you talked about but i mean they they get talent there and, and players get better there and that includes the pitchers especially i mean you know no doubt. um they they those guys those guys perform and, and the, the young talent especially in that staff is exciting i mean um you know and, and and i think fisher and poppy and some of those guys are are, are cogswell and downs i mean they got they got talented players in the lineup I remember um, last I, year when I saw Cogswell, I didn't know I didn't know who he was, but just seeing him against NC State, and he didn't even start those games. I just remember looking at it and thinking, you know, this guy. I, I, if it weren't for the fact that Keith Worman were playing in front of him, and I mean, you know, it's a pretty big loss. They don't have the, the Worman anymore, obviously. That's right. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal. 
But, I mean, Brandon Cogswell's athletic. He's got a nice swing. Uh, he looked the part exactly. last year, and now this year he's kind of getting everyday playing time, and he's just having a magnificent year. I mean, he's having an all-ACC kind of season. Yep, agreed. So, uh, Aaron, uh, we're wrapping up the podcast. We did bring in a bunch of new teams this week, um, a lot of teams out. At the back of the rankings, like San Diego, uh, Central Arkansas, TFCO. Thanks for coming out, Central Arkansas. Uh, Virginia Tech lost the series at Miami. I'm sure that was heated. Those teams don't like each other. Um, and then uh, NC State dropped out. Arizona State dropped out. Uh, we love Mississippi State in. We've talked enough about them. Uh, but talk about the teams that we brought in this week. Gonzaga, 21, Georgia Southern, uh, which we've, we've, you, know, you wrote about in a weekend preview earlier this year. At 22, Cal Poly. I just drove through SLO. I wish I had time to stay. Uh, 23, and South Alabama at 24. Uh, which, which team really caught your fancy out of those four that we uh, brought in? And Houston, don't forget. I, I did forget Houston. Houston. And Houston really is by far, correct me if I'm wrong, they're by, they have been by far the most impressive of those teams, yeah. and they've probably been the best team in Conference USA this year. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Rice uh, – Rice has, has played a good schedule, and I, I put them right there. But, I mean, um, the Houston's won 10 straight games. I mean, they're, they're beating named programs. They're not programs that are having good seasons, Baylor and East Carolina. They're 3-0 against Baylor. They're 3-0 against East Carolina. Uh, you know, and, and chatted with, with Todd Whitting last night, and he said he, he liked East Carolina's team. I mean, you know, they're, they're talent, and he thinks they're going to be okay. Um, so, you know, and, and I know you like East Carolina's talent, of course. <laughs> Not looking um, good as a sleeper, though. <laughs> but but that's a quality series sweep for Houston. That's a team that um, has gotten a ton of production out of its freshmen. And, and, you know, Frank Anderson deserves a ton of credit for, for the improvement on their pitching staff. Um, you know, those are some of those guys that have been there before have just gotten better. And, uh, and you know, if you look at their lineup, I think they've got six freshmen in the everyday lineup including the top four hitters. Um, I like that group, Josh Vidawas and Justin Montemayor and, you know, Logan Kirk. I mean, those are, those are, those are good players. Those was, are guys that grind you. I was hoping that Justin's last name was pronounced Montemayor, but it's Montemayor. I would prefer to pronounce it Montemayor also, but, you know, it's, it's Houston, so it's Montemayor. <laughs> um, but uh, two things stand out to me about this team, Aaron, is that you know, there's some raw arms to work with for Frank Anderson here. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Ponce de Leon, uh, you know, was one of our top JUCO arms a couple of years ago. Wasn't Aaron Garza? What was he? An unsigned sixth rounder, tenth rounder? He was. He was definitely a top ten round pick. I forget where exactly. Um, I don't know as much about Austin Pruitt. Uh, he says that he has been the real ace. But to talk a little bit about the, those pitches, or is, or is that going to be the focus of our? Uh... Oh, I know. I know Austin Pruitt because he was on that Navarro team two years ago that had all the dudes like Drew Verhagen and all these guys who got drafted, and Austin Pruitt was still the ace. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it's not overpowering velocity. I mean, it'll be maybe right. 80, 87, 88, touching 90 here and there, but a good curveball, and that was kind of his out pitch this weekend, uh, 13 strikeouts. I will have more on Houston and three strikes this, uh, later today. But I, but I remember uh, Austin, Austin Pruitt, led the, he led the NJCAA in ERA uh, as a sophomore on a team that won the national championship, and that had uh, – wasn't Damian Magnifico on that team, or no, he was Howard? Uh, he, he was Howard, Howard. Yep. but Navarro. That was a. I just remember that was a loaded pitching staff at Navarro that year, and uh, always fun to mention that Navarro's coach that year. I'm not sure if he's still the coach there. Was Woe Dill. So, wow, that's his name, name. Woe Dill. Um, but yeah, so this team is doing it uh, pitching wise, and 
Uh, is there an offensive kind of guy uh, to, to watch for? Uh, that, do, you feel like they, do you feel that they can maintain this, uh, getting enough offense to support that pitching staff? It seems like there's some depth on the lineup. I mean, they don't have really frontline star power. Um, that's the thing, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a Matt Oberste in the middle. Um, but you know, they, they, one through nine, they've been getting competitive at bats. And the thing is once, you know, two, two of their more experienced guys haven't really performed. I mean, uh, Landon Appling is a player I, I really like. I mean, every time I see him, I, I think he's, he's seems like he should be a pretty dynamic player. He does look very good defensive center field. I mean, he's a really standout defender out there. Um, but you know, he hasn't gotten his bat going and then Frankie Ratcliffe's been a little up and down offensively. Um, you know, those two guys could give them a lift once they once they get hotter. But um, you know, and, and Jonathan Davis, who had been leading the team in hitting before he got hurt a little bit a couple of weeks ago, he's he's back and just about ready to start playing again. Um, so he could give them a lift as well. But I mean, right now, where do you put him? Uh, right. You know, everybody's playing well in the lineup, and Logan Kirk is filled in at third base. Okay, Kirk's kind of a athletic, versatile piece. I don't. He's not a great defender at third base, but um, you know, he's getting the job done, and apparently made some nice plays on a couple of bunts this weekend. So. Everybody is just chipping in. I mean, it's a it's a good story over there. A really incredible turnaround, you know, for that program. We knew Todd Whitting would get him going, but I just didn't think it would happen this fast. It is a big, quite quite a turnaround for a Houston program that uh, was quite relevant during the John Manuel beat era, but has been pretty irrelevant <laughs> during the Aaron Fit beat era. Yeah. Um, Aaron, uh, last but not least, uh, we brought in a couple other teams, but Gonzaga, um, I think merits mention. Uh, number one, because they haven't lost a series all year. Um, so that's a 14-7 and seven record, but it's been a pretty consistent grinding team. And second of all, because Marco Gonzalez uh, is, has been just as studly as we kind of thought he would be when he was a preseason first-team All-American. Yeah, I mean, this weekend was kind of the, the quintessential Marco Gonzalez weekend where uh, he pitches, uh, you know, picks up the win Friday against USD, and, and what, are he pitching in seven or eight innings? I mean, it was... Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, seven, seven strong innings, one run, nine strikeouts. And then he comes back. The next day he goes two for two with an RBI. And then, you know, Sunday he's got four hits. You know, I mean, it's just the guy, he's such a huge part. But I love, I love that Marco Gonzalez, Tyler Olsen, one-two punch in the rotation. That's really the reason to get excited about Gonzaga are those two guys. But we like their freshman class quite a bit this year. They, they, this is kind of a young team, too. I mean, they got some, some guys that are learning on, on, the, on the fly a little bit, and they're going to have some days like Sunday where they made four errors that led to nine unearned runs. I mean, it's not always going to be pretty, but, but with Gonzalez and Olsen, they're going to win a lot of series, I think. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really important series this weekend against San Diego, I think. I mean, uh, those are the two teams coming to the year that we thought were the two best teams in that league. Gonzaga wasn't far outside our preseason top 25, so, right. so they're in here. Um, Georgia Southern, I wanna I wanna mention just because you know that that team is is they've been one of the bigger surprises to me in in, in the country. I mean, um, coming into the season in the SoCon, they were kind of the middle of the pack, you know. I mean, behind the Elons and the Sanfords and maybe College of Charleston, um, but they're sitting here 16 and seven. They're eight and one in the league. Um, they won a series at Samford last week. You know, they, 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 they beat Georgia Tech midweek. They, they also have two midweek losses to Georgia Tech. But, um, you know, they split two with the Indiana team. They beat a good Mercer team midweek. They, they took two out of three against Georgia to start the year. I know Georgia's not, not good. But, and then they won a game at, at Gainesville midweek. So, I mean, this is a, it's a good schedule. And, and they're 16-7. and seven. like what they've done. I, I, uh, it's a really you know, they're, good they're, schedule, Aaron. That's what, that's what really stands out. That's a, that's a very, very strong non-conference schedule, man. And it, just, it, just, it really stands out among these other mid-major kind of programs. Right, and, and you know, that's why 
Gonzaga and, and Georgia Southern are in here. I mean, Georgia, Gonzaga, of course, you know, they've played, they beat Arkansas, they tied Arizona State. Um, you know, they, they've, they've played a decent schedule as well. Uh, they played Oregon State, I believe, and lost that game at that Palm uh, Springs thing. They, they split two with UNLV. You know, they, they went to Hawaii, usually a good series, and took three out of four. Then they beat a, you know, a solid USF team two out of three last weekend. Then they beat Washington State midweek, you know, which had just, which had just won a series in Tempe. So, um, that, you know, again, good schedules, um, and we're going to reward you for it. And Cal Poly. Um, you know, Cal Poly is, has played named schools. I mean, they, they went to USF to open the year and swept. They went to Washington. You know, they went to Washington. This is a, a, a team in San Luis Obispo. Exactly. They go to Seattle the first weekend of March, and they take two out of three. They go to Manhattan, Kansas, the next weekend and take two out of three against a team that's, that's off to a decent start. Uh, and then they, they host Notre Dame. They lose that series, but they bounce back and, and win the series against Santa Barbara. So you play a good schedule. You hold your own. You know, we reward you. And I can attest to how crazy it is to not stay in San Luis Obispo, <laughs> even though I just barely went there. I did go to Morro Bay right nearby, and I got to tell you, I was a little overwhelmed by how awesome Morro Bay was, driving down there and just seeing this picturesque town on the coast, despite its nuclear reactor. <laughs> I think that's what that was. <laughs> and this giant, huge rock sticking out of the water. I mean, I can't believe I'd never heard of that place. It was just stunning. Uh, stunning end to a great day of driving down the coast, uh, which the only thing that would have made it better would have been if Cal Poly had been home that day. Note to Larry yeah. Little. I'm sorry, Larry Lee. <laughs> Coach Lee, please, next time, schedule a game on uh, Wednesday night so I can be there. Aaron, great stuff. Great college baseball talk. Looking forward to your story on the Hoosier State in baseball. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody in the Hoosier State is caring right now since the Hoosiers did just win in basketball and are in the Sweet 16. But uh, no Florida Gulf Coast this week. The basketball wins don't carry over to baseball. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, you know the the weather holds up for Tuesday. It should be a good midweek game, Louisville at, at Indiana. I mean that's 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 an exciting midweek game between you know a couple of top 20 teams right now. Um, and and you know the, we got a little bit of snow last night, but it's. Uh, not as bad as it could have been. So they got that new turf at that brand-new ballpark down the street here in Indiana. Um, hopefully they can play, and then I'll go to see Purdue's new park on Wednesday, again, weather permitting. But that's, that's the plan this week. Well, Aaron, I hope it works out. The podcast worked out great. We want to thank our listeners for their questions. You can always email us at podcast.baseballamerica.com or tweet at us. I'm at John Manuel BA. He is at Aaron Sitt, and this has been the Baseball America College Podcast. Until next week, so long, everybody.